Everybody got their Mass Swag USA Mass. I got mine thanks to uh, the Stalls Boys. Remember, DMAC 25 4X for 10% off. You can get the mask. You don't have to get mine, although you can. It's got the tattoo on the side. Or you can get the gator for guys like Nick. That like the gator so and you can get any emblem on it so uh thanks to uh our friends at stalls whoops our friends at stalls and uh everything else are you there can you hear me dave all right um so welcome today guys uh this uh tuesday uh nick waiting on nick i guess because uh uh, Nick has uh, real world stuff to do. So until then, uh, we're going to continue. I've got a very special guest here today. Um, a gentleman that has uh, not only uh, been in the squared circle of the MMA ring, he's retired now um, into the bodybuilding and the weight, but uh, does an unbelievable job. Um, with uh, Rescue and Fight Dogs and a great story behind it. So uh, without further ado, I'd like to introduce our guest, the shotgun, Gordon <laughs> Shell. Gordon, are you there, bud? There I'm he here. is. Can you hear me all right? How are you, you sir? Can... I'm good, good. You can hear me okay? I can hear you okay. Okay, yes, doing well. Doing well. Got... Thanks for having me on. It's an honor. No, no. To, um, so uh, before we get into the uh, dogs fighter and and all the stuff like that with uh, um, different things, tell everybody out there uh, where you're from. You know how you got into the MMA stuff, and uh, you know a little bit about what you're doing now, and then we'll get into uh, um, all the Mike Vick stuff. And and um, I just want to let you know. Uh, I just followed you and stuff, and, and there's uh, anybody who follows uh, Gordon on Instagram, uh, I love the fact that you put the uh, two pictures together about the updates about eight years ago, you rescued uh, one of those pit bulls, and then after the, uh, uh, recovering from three different cancers and stuff like that, you know, you see this uh, happy pit bull and stuff, so... Um, where are you from, bro? Uh, how'd you get into the MMA stuff? And then um, let's talk let's talk about the dogs. Well, um, I'm right from, from here. So as I travel the country, traditional thing is to say you're from Detroit, but actually I'm out of uh, Wald Lake, Conner Commerce Township. So went to Wald Lake Western High School and been a Michigander my whole life and a Wings fan, obviously. Um, I have to tell you that uh, you guys stole my thunder back in 97. Uh, my bachelor party fell during the playoffs, so everybody was contacting me not to find out if I was going to have uh, entertainment and gambling. They wanted to know if I was going to have uh, giant screen TVs. And then you guys uh, ended up sweeping during my wedding, so I had to have giant screen TVs at my uh, first wedding. So that marriage didn't work out anyhow. So um, I'm right from here locally, uh, got mixed into uh, martial arts because uh, the same reason that most people do, if you read a couple of different books, there's a fighter's mind and a fighter's heart. 
it usually goes back to somebody being bullied or something happening in their life that they uh, decided that they were going to do something to change it, you know, rather than being bullied. And, and I'm totally against bullying. Um, but for me, it it just caused me to try to change. And uh, I got into bodybuilding and then uh, was a Bruce Lee fan, got into the martial arts. And then back before UFC was even created, there was a NHB, which was, you know, the blood sport movies, the bare fisted, uh, more of the underground stuff until we could get sanctioned and start doing it on Indian casino uh, properties and then eventually getting rules that were acceptable by the general public. Um, we just did it wherever we could do it. And it was a sport for me. It's never been um, personal. It's like you guys playing hockey. I'm sure you've had some personal vendettas there. But every time I've gone into the ring uh, to fight, I've uh, tried to keep the motions out of it. And that helps me to fight in a little more controlled fashion. And um, that just led me when I was uh, being bullied. Uh, you know, you come back and you cry. And I had a, a tough love father that just, you know, said, well, learn how to fight and you won't get your ass kicked anymore. Um, then I would run into my bedroom and cry. And my dog was always there. So I don't have kids. So my dogs are my kids. It's been the same story I've been telling for many, many years. Um, so I wanted to be able to give back to the dogs because they're with you no matter what. They don't care if I'm bald, fat, broke, win a fight, lose a fight. Um, your dogs love you un unconditionally. So I just wanted to be there for them and um, wanted to give back. So uh, to get to make fighting a little more approachable, uh, most of us fighters will take on a cause and maybe we'll, we'll put our proceeds towards something. I'm a cancer survivor. So originally I was doing fight for cancer and making money uh, off of my ticket proceeds to go back to the cause and donating to the Cancer Society. And my father passed from cancer. And um, then eventually, you know, because of my love of dogs and volunteering at the Humane Society and different groups around the country, uh, I wanted to uh, put that money towards the dogs and see what I could do. And because I'm a fighter, and because the name you mentioned earlier, Michael Vick, uh, is the world's most famous dog fighter, um, people said, why don't you call him out and try to fight him, raise money for your cause? And, uh, and that's what I did in 2009 and it's never been answered. So, you know, we can get more into that, but that's kind of my background. I'm a local guy, uh, just a guy that enjoys the sport. I still, uh, try to be as active in it as possible. I'm 50 going on 51 now. I'm trying to just concentrate on doing the sports where I'm not getting punched in the face as much anymore coaching, uh, helping out, and then doing bodybuilding and the fitness events. So uh, this tattoo, I don't know if uh, there, says not dead yet. So that, I kind of live by that. I'm not dead yet, so I'm going to keep on going. So my imitation of Michael Vick stays open. Um, a lot of the fighters are coming back now. Uh, Michael, uh, Mike Tyson's coming back. He's 53. Holyfield's coming back. I don't know that I want to come back, but um, – if uh, Vic accepts the invitation, I'll gladly jump into the cage with him and raise awareness and raise funds for uh, the fight against dog fighting and cruelty. Well, we'll so see if we can get that. That no, that's awesome, Gordon. For for different reasons, and I, the reason I wanted you to sort of lay it out is because now we're gonna now I'm gonna ask you different questions because you got into yeah. the MMA, and I remember 
you know, the first few, the, I think it was, might have been the UFC. There was one of them. It was one of the first ones. It was at yeah. Cobo. I was sitting Dan Severn versus Royce Gracie yeah. at Cobo. Yeah. Right. And it was, but the best match, it was Don Fry. Don oh, yeah. Fry. Like, like, but, but here's what um, the younger audience that doesn't understand and it's sort of like the the evolution of all sports but the evolution of the game because the like the rules were different you were trying to find you know the fine line between barbaric but where people would accept or understand but but the thing is is that you were being in the ring in the 90s and early 2000s and being in the ring now can you explain how things have really evolved and, you know, maybe some of the things that that you miss about the old way or that you, you know, the way that they evolved it, because just like in every other sport, it's about the safety and it's about different things, but you're a guy that lived through it. And, and it's not like you're, you're working smarter, not harder. Right. And it's, it's like me, I don't want to take a punch in the face, but let it be known. I still can Right. Yeah. And I can still hit back. So, I mean, it's that's, that's, that's what I love about it. But what, let's talk specifically, you know, the MMA or whatever, how it's sort of evolved, you know, um, you know, Absolutely. I can point to so many different things, but I'd like to hear from your perspective. Yeah. To make it more, more acceptable to the general public, that's when they implemented the use of gloves. So, you know, we were barefisted back then. You could wear tennis shoes as long as you weren't kicking, um, to the head. So wrestlers like Ken Shamrock, Dan Severin would wear their wrestling shoes. You would get good grip, but if somebody got you in an ankle lock, they've got that tennis shoe or the wrestling shoe to hold on to and get a much better grip. So, you know, you've got the upsides and downsides of that. The downside of putting the gloves on is that's protecting my hand more than it's protecting your face. Because by the time my coaches wrap me up with tape, that glove becomes a cement block, um, and and, and it's, it makes my fist, where I have a, a fairly small hand here, if you see on camera, um, it extends that out probably, you know, with the six-ounce gloves for the amateurs and four-ounce gloves for the pros, it's giving you another inch and a half, two inches on your hand, so you're able to connect. The edges of the glove can cut you. So people would say, well, there's less blood with a glove, but not necessarily. You'll see Nate Diaz and Nick Diaz use the edge of the glove to hammer strike across the face to open up scar tissue. When we didn't have gloves on, um, if I punch you in the head, and you know this from your hockey days, I can break my hand real easily because that's a big bone and this is a whole bunch of little bones. So back in the early days, the guys weren't headhunting. They weren't swinging at the face as much. So I didn't have to protect my face as much. And I come from an Ishinru karate background where we would strike for soft points. I would come after the throat. I'd try to crush your sternum by coming in with a power point here, power punch in the sternum. That's what the whole board and brick breaking was about, was trying to get that power. So you would see those guys more target uh, the body, soft tissue, you know, knock the wind out of guys, hit them in the throat. Um, Boz Rutten would backhand you or, or palm hand you. I mean, he would literally bend his hand all the way behind him and come across and slap you, knocking you out just by your your your, your chin twisting. So 
I, you know, right now at 50 years old, um, I'm not excited about getting hit by a bare fist, but that glove doesn't really add a lot of protection. The one thing I did like is um, taking away the punt kicking to the face, you know, in the right. old fights that you're talking about, if I'm down on all fours, it basically punt kick your head. Um, now that you right. can't kick to the head once we hit that three point it took away a little bit of the blood of the sport um but it did still you see a lot of bleeding um i, I still believe it's a it's compared to football um and i'm not going to demean football at all i like football um but we are not getting hit in the head as much as a football player those guys are training from from high school all the way through the pros i mean you know the statistics on concussions i've been knocked out one time and that was in training I'm sure I've been concussed quite a few times, but nothing compared to if I was a traditional football player. And even the um, lacrosse players get hit pretty hard and get knocked down. So when people bring their kids to me and say, is martial arts something I should get them into? I don't push them towards MMA because um, those kids have a dream that they're all going to become the next you know, Anderson Silva or John Paul jo or John Jones and be millionaires and world champions. That's like becoming an NHL player and or 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 Tom Brady. There's a handful of you guys that are going to make it. Yeah. So, you know, these guys have a dream that they think they're going to come into my gym and train for two weeks and then go join the UFC. There's a lot of blood, sweat and tears that goes into that before those guys even get paid. And those low level guys on the undercard are making 4,000 a fight. By the time you pay your coaches and managers and everything else, you're not getting that much money. So if martial arts, like you said, it's nice to know we can take a punch and we can throw a punch and a kid that knows how to fight isn't going to fight because he's not going to be a bully. He's disciplined and he knows that if he has to fight, it can be over quickly. And usually if they're in jujitsu or something, they can do a joint manipulation, a wrist lock, arm bar, something where, they get it over with quickly. Nobody gets hurt, but then they kind of set precedent so that they're not bullied again. So I'm, I'm a strong, excuse me, strong believer in getting your your kids into a, a martial art or something that's going to give them that confidence. Well, I think you mentioned it right. Is is you're breeding self confidence, self awareness. Um, you know th that individual to protect themselves and protect. It's sort of like. You know, have you seen that U.S. Army commercial where the girl, you know, the, it's about the bullies and, you know, you're oh, sort yeah. of bored with it or whatever, but it's just sort of being able to nurture it. And, you know, it's like having a superpower and and being able to use it for good and not, not evil or anything like that. So um, who are some – do you watch the MMA still to today? Oh, yeah, um, yeah. You, kind of forced you, into that. <laughs> yeah, forced in that. Who? Yeah, who? So, who do you, who do you enjoy watching? You know, or, or who is somebody? I guess my question to you is like a little bit. You know, if you can go a little bit deeper behind the scenes, like I like this guy because you know he does this, and um, you know, like you said, ring awareness and all these guys that people got to understand that you see on TV, no matter what level, have been doing this and are at the top of their game and have put so many hours in, you know, like you said, it's something that they've worked at, you know, for, for no matter how old they are for a lifetime with guys like yourself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Some of my favorites, I mean, I'm going to have to go 
right now with an obvious local, uh, Cody Stamen. He's out of yeah. the Detroit area, and uh, he just <laughs> He just fought two weekends ago, and he's a 135-pounder. He's ranked top 10 right now, and he's out of a, a gym in Dearborn, trained with Darren Crookshank, another local that went through the UFC, and now he fights in Ryzen, which is over in Japan. Old-school rules. They still kick to the head when you're on the ground. They, they do use gloves, but uh, the Japanese really like uh, a little more uh, blood in the sport. If you go with the top names that everybody knows, obviously I'm a Conor McGregor fan. He's exciting. The character part of it. Um, I didn't used to like the big time wrestling aspect of it or the the, the trash talking because I'm a tr traditional martial artist, but right. he's entertaining and he draws the tickets and he builds the fans. And I, I was rooting for him against Mayweather because I'm an MMA guy. So it was right. MMA versus boxing. And I obviously wanted us to win. Um, and then uh, Mazeldoff and, and, and all the guys that are right now going for the championships and the Diaz brothers. I, I'm not a bully type fan, but those guys are entertaining as hell. And I'm not a dope smoker, but I like that that they can run marathons and triathlons, smoke a joint, go in, go against the best, and take a fight on four days' notice just because they're talented. They don't need eight weeks to get ready. They'll take a fight right now if, if it's right. So well, I appreciate it because I am a dope smoker. So there you go. <laughs> I, I understand. You know, I, understand I would that, uh, putting it back together. Uh, exactly. So, so being around and obviously, you know, like the the com. I I I guess you're more of a combat guy. That's part of who your life is. You know, the martial arts, the in the ring, the out of the ring. But how did you? Let's get into the 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 dogs fighter, and I love that. So you know, fight for them, like you said before. Um, because they don't, they don't care. Now, um, is it mostly, like, how did, how did that come? How did that like come about? Or how did you, you know, take it, get it off the ground or, or, you know, where you're at? Cause I'm going to ask you about the, the new thing for the up, um, the lady up North that you're working yeah. towards help and be able to rescue. I want to touch on that a little bit because, you know, I, I know, you know, animals, and you, you, if you're an animal lover and stuff like this, I got, I'll tell you my, uh, I'll tell you my dog story is that because uh, I've had uh, rescued uh, bulldogs, and I've had Sarge, Hank, and George, and they've all passed. We have two little Frenchies now, but I, but I got uh, two Yorkies too, right? Because Gordy Howe used to come in the dressing room all the time, and he had this five-pound mini teacup poodle named rocket after uh, rocket richard and that's when it let me know that wow tough guys can have small dogs oh, too yeah. right so that's my little thing but how did you know you mentioned like how does it come about or how did you get it off the ground and let's talk more about because a lot of people you know care about this and this might uh, strike a chord with how they can either get involved or or just be aware of it a lot of people think that dog fighting is uh, old school and it isn't around anymore. Um, it's still thriving and it's it's a money maker. It's very profitable. Some of those champion dogs are worth sixty grand or more. Um, hopefully, my screen's not freezing up on you there. I, I thought I had a good connection. 
Um, but, uh, you know, it's it's still very powerful um, out there and it's growing, especially, I mean, there's still a pretty big market in Detroit. I, I did a lot of work in Baltimore. Um, uh, Chicago has a pretty high area. And then when you get out in the sticks, um, I was doing investigations on dog fightings on the Eastern shore, which is uh, just north of Virginia Beach in, in Virginia, a couple hours away from where Vic lives. And that's, you know, just good old farm boys that have nothing better to do. So it isn't just an inner city thing. And I don't want it to, uh, people will, you know, lump me in thinking I'm, I'm this is racially based or something. And it's not, I, I don't, care who you are if you're hurting animals dogs especially i'm coming after you and um and it started because i was volunteering at the shelters and walking the dogs and spending time with the dogs and if you just talk to dogs i mean even if they're on death row i hate to say that you know it gives them a sense of comfort and we want to be able to do that for them and you know, then I got introduced to the cruelty team and they're going out investigating cruelty. So I strap on a bulletproof vest. I've gone to the police academy. You know, I've done private law enforcement before. Um, so I have a background. I carry a weapon. Uh, at one point I was flying drones over because I've been shot six times total, three without a vest, three with a vest on, stabbed three times. It's high risk and I wasn't licensed, I'm more of the vigilante type. A lot of times I have a lot of law enforcement friends. I would get um, basically tips from them of what's going on. They go in for a drug bust and behind that uh, there may be dog fighting involved. So they'll tip us off and we'll go in. And sometimes I would do, you know, the vigilante um, go in at night, investigate if I can pull the dogs and find them, get them to a shelter safely. Then I do that. I wear bulletproof. As I said, I, I would use the drones to fly over. As the situation got a little bit hotter, I had drones that went up two and a half miles away so I could fly over and get a good oversight view of it. And then I worked with uh, um, uh, cruelty uh, uh, officers, a uh, good friend of mine, Stephen Baldwin, he was in Ohio. So he was licensed so I could go down there with him. We would go out and do the investigations. So it evolved. Uh, I started back in the early 90s. Uh, with the volunteering and then getting into the cruelty really started around the Michael Vick time because I wasn't really aware of what dogfighting was until the media started putting up everything. And I'm like, wow, I, you know, I can't believe this is happening. And I wasn't really directing anger at Michael Vick. I got educated about it. And then I started following the case really closely. And um, there's some great books on that entire case that go through everything, not just pointing the finger at him, but you know, what, how is it systemic? How is it in certain areas? And how is it tradition? Maybe you and I go to a card game uh, in a basement or something like that. And we know that's illegal. You know, we're, we're gambling illegally. And, you know, some of the kids in the inner cities or in the sticks might be, might be doing it just the same way and they see it as victimless they don't see those dogs as victims they're betting on the dogs they're enjoying a sport not understanding how cruel it is so that came really close to me um, and i got a call from a local shelter that was watching a dog fighting ring locally in the sterling heights area that was going door to door and what they would do is they would send somebody through dressed as a meter maid look at your gas meter but what they were doing is looking over your fence to see if you had a dog in the backyard and they would tag it with a piece of duct tape 
And then a van would come through later, you know, throw some food over the fence, grab that dog by the collar, pull it out, put it in the van. And then your dog, even if it's a Yorkie or, or something like that, it's going to be used as a bait dog. And that really bothered me. And I saw, I, I sat out because they were going through my blocks and this was in 2009 and I saw the van come through my neighborhood and like an old TJ Hooker episode, I'm running through backyards, jumping fences, chasing this van. And I could literally hear dogs barking in the back of the van. And I knew that was the van. And that was where I just, I lost it. You know, I'm, I'm going to be the vigilante that goes after these guys. I'm not going to have some little girl's puppy taken so they can you know, tape its mouth shut and use it for practice. So, you know, that struck a real hard chord with me. And, you know, I I just took on that cause. And that's when I went, I owned Four Aces Fight Club at the time. And I went in and my students said, you know, you do all these fights for cancer. Why don't you call out Michael Vick and, and ask him to fight for charity and see if he'll take the fight, raise money for your dog cause. And it was really my student's idea um, to do it. And that's what I did. And, and, you know, it's still to this day is I get interviews about it. I've been on the Philly radio stations. I've been on Pittsburgh uh, stations when they recruited him. Um, We had over 600 people for um, the preseason when he was quarterback for Pittsburgh. Um, I've got pictures of the fight me Mike Vick shirts, probably about 600 of them lined up along the river in Pittsburgh outside the stadium of everybody that showed up to let their voice be heard. And, you know, same thing that's going on today with the protests. You know, we were protesting in our own way to to get a voice for the dogs, you know, because they can't speak up. Well, here's a great point with what's going on, and it doesn't matter what it is we're talking about, right? It's It's right. I have this, you know, one of the things that being through four, I tell everybody being through four rehabs and, and million dollars that the league spend on me, I did learn some things. And the most valuable thing I learned is what heart virtue and pretty much heart virtue is what makes you tick. And mine is vulnerable truth with integrity. Yours is the, the injustice. My, my wife's is as injustice and hers, but it's just because the point is, is that was what 2011 or 2012, like how 2009. So even what, like 11 years ago. Right. And still the van is driving around, you know, it's the whole thing with black lives matter, which the whole thing with kneeling with the flag and everything, it's not about the flag. The, The flag represents that that's the most symbolic, symbolic action against to maybe draw attention. So the whole thing is since 2009, because that stuff obviously, you know, is still going on and it's not like it automatically stops. So, Let's talk about, you know, from now till then, what, you know, what have you been able to do and talk about, you know, some of the positive things that because you've been doing these fights and, and, you know, give what, what have you been able to do, you know, in the past 10 years and stuff because of this? Well, educate. I mean, the biggest thing is educating people. I can just sit there and harp and harp and harp and say, Michael Vick, Michael Vick, Michael Vick. And people go, okay, old story. That was years ago. He's he's one person, right? He's one. He's just because he's the, you know, the benchmark. It's like, it's like I say with grind time with Darren McCarty. Darren McCarty's up there because it gets your attention. It's all about grind time. Grind time ain't about me. It's about the family. 
You know, right. about Dave, Dave flipping cameras back there, Angel running around or whoever doing all this thing. It's it's the effort and it's and it's awareness to actually standing up, right? There's yep. people that I always say is that tell me once and show me twice. I want to show me the action people, you know, for what they believe in, and that's what you've done. So so you know that that's the whole point it's not about michael vick it's just the fact that right. you know who michael vick is that it draws right. attention and the best part the blessing in disguise or the or the positive to me out of the lesson is that when you say michael vick people don't think football first they think dog fighting right, right. so that starts the conversation which is right. the uncomfortableness but it's becoming we 2020 is about this is going to be called the new norm right that's right. it the new norm and the new norm is articulate and have these difficult conversations that we're always thrown under the rug and you know what that right. just yeah i mean i uh man i just we i can, can, we see, can I, talk. if i was beside you i'd be jumping fences tj hooker style too buddy <laughs> we're dating that's ourselves it, you know, but, and, but if i had a gun on me somebody i've you know that like Let's talk about that too, because I know that through these endeavors, and I didn't know that you've been shot that many times or stabbed, but you've also spent time in jail and, you know, got into yeah. the, how the, and, and I want, you know, the, the one thing is enjoy my truth. Grind time with Darren McCarty. You're welcome to say, say it how it is because you experienced life, I guess, or how unfair or political or all the bullshit about, you know, what's going on. And you've experienced that when it comes to this, right? Yeah, you know, it was corruption and that's what's going on right now. I was on the other side of it. So when I'm out there trying to put guys away for the dogfighting and, and that, um, it just happened to me and it, it didn't matter who I was. It, it was, I was in another state, I was in Virginia, I was out working with volunteers and we didn't have a warrant. We didn't do it by the law. But we were driving by and there was a pit bull that was reported starving to death. And the day we went there, it was 18 degrees. So the dog was starving and freezing to death. And you you can go by the, the law or you can do what's right. And that day we just had to do what was right. And we just had to take the recourse of the law. Unfortunately, like what's going on today, I got involved with a very corrupt law enforcement. And it, it was really based off of, like I said, being out in the sticks with the good old boys. I was investigating properties that were related to the the, the sheriff's office. And um, they didn't like that. When they found out what we were up to, they, they wanted to make an example of us. So um, we took the dog. And we, uh, you know, I can say that fully now the case is over. Um, we took the dog and we had a two hour drive back to Virginia Beach and we were in a U-Haul because the weekend before we had removed 24 dogs off of a property from a hoarder, 12 of those dogs were dead. The other 12 dogs went to the ASPCA and we were delivering food to the ASPCA so that uh, those dogs could be fed. You know, you can save all the dogs you want, but if they aren't taken care of after they're rescued, and I get calls all the time, Gordon, there's a dog in downtown Detroit running around the streets, or there's a, there's a yard full of dogs, go steal them. What do I do with those dogs? You know, even if it was legal to steal them, where am I gonna take the dogs? If the shelters are full, then what's, what's the end game for those dogs? So that day, um, we just acted with our heart, 
not by law. We took the dog. We got it to shelter. The dog it was in horrible condition. It would have died that day. Um, but unfortunately, a neighbor saw us do it. They reported it, and at the uh, the Virginia Bridge going over into Virginia Beach, there were eight police cars waiting for us, uh, pulled us over. At that point, we had already transferred the dog over to another vehicle, and that vehicle was transporting the dog over the bridge uh, to vet care. So when they opened up the back of the um, the back of the car, you know, they were expecting a perfect, or the back of the U-Haul truck, they were expecting to find a dog back there. And there was no dog. So, you know, if you've ever stood in the back of a U-Haul truck, it echoes. So I heard eight cops in unison yell out, where the fuck is the dog? Sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss on no, here, yeah, but I'm no, sorry. It's my show. Right, it's got my so, name on it. You know, like, I can't control <laughs> my language. So, yeah. yeah. So they were pretty upset. They were pretty upset that their evidence wasn't there. So um, they interrogated us for four hours, and I had to come back to Detroit. So I flew back to Detroit, and then I got a warrant for my arrest via a text message. I uh, contacted an attorney in, in, in Virginia, and uh, $23,000 later in uh, defense costs and a lot of interrogations, um, the uh, the public or the uh, the uh, prosecuting attorney, if you've seen the movie My Cousin Vinny, it, yeah. the courthouse was exactly like that. They they literally told us just like what you're seeing today, there was extreme prejudice against us, and because we came into their town, strangers from out of their town, and took something from their town, a little I, I would say. You know, it was be Boss Hog and Roscoe, and oh, it, it was a, it was comical. And and the prosecuting attorney actually said these words during the case while I was on the stand. You should have stayed on your side of the bridge. We don't like your type over here. And you know, I'm I'm not privileged. You know, this Virginia Beach is a, is a is a very wealthy area, and where we took the dog was not a wealthy area, but they automatically judged us because we came in as volunteers and and said you don't belong over here we don't like your kind so i i feel for what's going on right now because just the fact they they, they said that and i i can't put myself in the same place as, as floyd um by any means I, you know i have light skin no, you're, it, not, it, you're not trying to but but the injustice yeah, have, um, it all is the same thing and it's everywhere. So it was pled down, pled down to a a petty theft. And the judge even said, the judge on record said, you know, you may have paid your money to get it paid down to petty theft, but we're going to make an example of you and you guys are going to jail. And the original sentence was 90 days, which totally broke my heart after all the work that I've done. Um, and I, you know, I guess I was willing to take it. And eventually, after a lot of negotiation, they got it down to six days. Um, and I, I stayed there and went in. And their jail is their prison. It's a small Accomack County. Um, so there were guys there. My my celly, my cellmate, as uh, the inside term is, um, he was in there for manslaughter. So I'm sitting in the same cell as a, a guy that that killed somebody. Um, but I'll tell you. The people inside the prison were kinder to me than the law enforcement. And for the first few hours 
um, there's going to be some stuff coming out about this. With the first few hours that I was put in there, I was pepper sprayed and beaten with the handcuffs on because they wanted to make an example of me. So, um, you know, I've contacted, I've talked to different attorneys, we'll pursue it. You know, this happened in 2016. There's more stuff being investigated. And I said, well, I don't have video of it happening. You know, how do you, how do you prove something like that? And basically their case is the lack of me being on video for those hours is their case. So I was in a, a small containment cell where you change and you bend over and cough and put on your orange jumpsuit before I could put on my jumpsuit. Um, you know, two bad apples. Uh, you know, not all, not everybody in that law enforcement is bad, but these guys wanted to be tough guys. And because I was all over the news, I was on every channel, um, you know, they were calling me UFC fighter. I never fought in the UFC. Thank you for that free promotion. But um, I was MMA fighter. So it was UFC fighter becomes dog napper on the Eastern Shore. And I was on um, all NBC, CBS. There were cameras outside the jail, outside the courtroom. Uh, you know, not the press I wanted. But when I was released from the courtroom, I wore a suit. And then under my suit, I had my fight me Mike Vick shirt on. So I told my attorney if I go out there and make a statement now, can they extend my sentence? And he said, no, the case is over. You got your sentence. So I took off my suit and stood on camera and you can find that on YouTube. And I just stated awesome. my case. You know, it's uh, a guy that, a guy and two girls, there were two volunteers with me that, you know, we, we dedicate our lives and our money and I go broke doing this. Um, you know, I've donated more money than I've made. <laughs> um, just trying to do something good for the cause. And um, and then the other that I did is behind me, you'll see the poster for the Dogs Fighter movie. Um, we did that with a studio right here locally, Motion Picture Institute, Doug Schultz was the director on that. And uh, he saw my story on Facebook and was following me and I was getting ready for my last fight. I was raising money to rescue dogs. I had a heart condition. I wasn't supposed to fight again. The doctors told me if I fought again, I could possibly die in the ring. So I was looking for that Mickey Rourke wrestler ending. So uh, it didn't happen. Maybe there'll be a sequel, but I, I basically signed away that if I, if I did die in the ring, cause it's a, it's a docudrama. So it's live as, as the, as I prepared for the fight, as I went out and worked with the animal cruelty team and as the fight went on, they had cameras on me and that's the whole movie. It's, it's a full feature. And that, that really gave a good background of what we do in the city to go out and investigate and then what my whole cause is. And, you know, spoiler alert, it doesn't have a Mickey Rourke ending. Um, so maybe we'll make a sequel if, if Vic ever takes the fight. So, uh, and all what? the proceeds from the film goes back towards the dogs. So we've donated quite a bit of money back to the dogs with that and the, and the fight me Mike Vic shirts that I put out. Yeah, which you can get on www.gordonshell.com, by the way. There's a lot of different swag. I was uh, checking it out. That, that's awesome. So um, where can people uh, see the movie? Is it on Netflix or is it on Amazon? Or, or I'm waiting is it the director. We put it up on uh, Amazon before Amazon. You know, back in uh, 2013 when we released it, Amazon wasn't as much of a streaming platform as now. You had to go on there and pay your $3, and it wasn't really right. user-friendly. 
producers put it up there, then we got a couple of studios that were going to buy the film and the studio said we had to take it down or else they wouldn't buy it. They couldn't have it streaming. So the studio took it down and then those deals kind of petered out. Um, so I bought the DVD rights. Um, I sell the DVDs on the website and I'm waiting for Doug right. Schultz from FBI. Uh, we're hoping to throw it up on Netflix and just leave it up there streaming as a free view because I, my whole goal is to get the movie out there uh, so people can see it. It isn't it isn't a profit center or anything like that. So I'd rather have it streaming for free. And if he'll give me permission, because still he still owns the rights as the director. Right. I own DVD sale rights, so I I take that money and put it towards the projects that I have going on right now. Well, I think that definitely that's something that uh, us here at Grind Time would definitely get behind. So 2016, all this stuff goes on. You know, that's four years ago. Fill me in. Yeah. You know, did it Did it just – did it – a lot of the worst, you know, try to – when you – and you do this because when you mentor people, it's on your experience. And, you know, as you get older, you realize that the tough times are just lessons – you know, you're in there looking for the lesson. What was it like for you to spend those six days, you know, especially, oh, hey, Sully, <laughs> manslaughter, hey, oh, you know, like it had to be weird. But like, how was your resolve coming out? And then did you what like fill me in for the last four years and then build it into because you mentioned a great point is that, yeah, there's dogs out there, but what do we do with them? So. You're working with somebody uh, up north. Is it in the Traverse City area? And I, yeah, I forgot. Yeah Beulah, the name. yeah, Beulah County, which is right outside of Traverse City. So, um, well, you know, the prison experience. I never want to go back. Time stands still. Um, anybody that says it's a, a a pleasure cruise or a country club, it wasn't. It was a five by eight cell. Um, worst food ever. I was getting ready for a bodybuilding contest. It's kind of hard to get your nutrients and that's not what my priority should have been, but I was basically eating the slop that they give you. And again, the guys that were in there were making me ramen noodles that they heat up, you know, uh, with the hot water out of the sink and yeah. all the stuff that you see in the movies. So um, they treated me really well and uh, I'm still, still a virgin, glad to say. Um, <laughs> That happened. Um, but they actually, because I was getting uh, ready for a bodybuilding show, I was pretty jacked. And, you know, I didn't have anything to gamble with. Uh, I, I wasn't in there long enough to build up commissary points or anything. So when I gambled against them playing cards and stuff, we would we would bet push ups and pull ups and stuff like that. So it got to be pretty entertaining. By the end of the week, they all wanted me out of there because they were pretty yeah. worn out. Yeah, but no it was doubt. it was. It was not fun. Um, it, 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 it'll haunt me forever. And uh, I do things by the law. But uh, again, um, you got to do what's right. And if we wouldn't have taken that into our hands that day, that dog would have died. And I've gotten reports that dog, they, they said if we returned that dog, they would have not put us in the jail. Uh, there was no way we were returning that dog. Um, and I've gotten pictures of that dog. And the dog lives in a beautiful mansion on the ocean in Virginia Beach. And he's living a really good life and is very plumped up now. So I think it was worth it. You know, I wouldn't say that. Uh, while I was sitting in the prison cell, but to this day, it was well worth it. And then going forward, you know, I don't, I didn't just stop, you know, you get discouraged and you're like, to hell with it. Damned if you do, damned if you don't, you know, you, you no 
good deed goes unpunished and and you think you're doing a good thing but since then um you know i worked with an amazing comedian her name was rebecca corey she does a, a an event she you know she's been on yes dear king of queens you know she's she's uh it lives out in hollywood she does a, a, a stand-up show called stand up for pits so um she travels the country i've worked with her we did one at the um the magic bag or not the magic bag i'm sorry the majestic downtown last year um we sold that out uh raised twenty seven thousand dollars for bark nation uh, a group right here in detroit that does a yeah. uh uh a, a, a the thing called pitness relocation. So the dogs, yeah, when we pull them out from a yeah, so I've you done know stuff them. With them. I'm familiar with them. Yeah, yeah, a lot of these, just, just a small thing. A lot of the uh, um, the people that work at LCA or work that Joe Lewis that work at LCA that I've known for years um, are yeah. involved in that. So it's it's pretty Amazing. cool. So that's that's awesome. Yeah. So Kelly and her group, I mean, they're awesome. They do awesome events down in Ferndale. And I wanted to do that. I just basically called her and said, do you want to be a part of this? All the proceeds will go to you. And we're going to bring the comedians in and Rebecca's going to headline it. And she did that. And then uh, soon after that, I went out to uh, Los Angeles or out to Pasadena to the Ice House, which is the oldest comedy uh, arena in the U.S. and Brad Williams, you know the you can call yeah. him a dwarf. He's a dwarf comedian. Uh, he headlined the show there with Sam Tripoli and uh, another good friend of mine uh, helped put that show together. Um, and uh, he he's uh, 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 of course because I'm on camera. Uh, Peace, love, and pitbulls on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, Tino Sanchez, uh, he's a dog trainer and, and does a rescue work like me, uh, uh, jujitsu specialist, and he's a comedian. Um, so he was able to connect with Brad. I've worked with Bill Burr, Whitney Cummings, um, uh, Kaylee Kyoko, uh, David Spade showed up, Adam Sandler showed up, and they all volunteer their time and they do these, they do a 15 minute set and and just let us collect the money and give it back to the dog so that's been awesome and then uh beyond that you know those were all sponsored rebecca was the head of stand up for pits tino is the head of the other one was uh pits and giggles and we're going to do another one of those bill burr's committed to that one we'll do that in pasadena again and um then i started the the animal shelter rescue program so i'm a former builder and i'm good at picking stuff up and putting it down and assembling stuff. So I, I want to do an extreme weekend makeover for shelters. So I started this back in 2016. And we basically go into shelters. Like I said, if the dogs don't have a place to go, then what we're, we're just taking them off the streets and then taking them to what people call a dog pound and having them put to sleep. There's no end game for them. So we need comfortable, usable shelters and i did the uh river rouge shelter in 2016 so we went in rehab that um and that's all through donations and volunteers a lot of my fighters showed up and we did about a four-day build out and rehabbed it so it was acceptable and she's adopted a lot of dogs out of there because it's just a more approachable building now and then this year i i reinvigorated that program and i'm working with tina's bed and biscuits up in Beulah, Michigan, just outside of Traverse City. And she's got a shelter there where she takes care of the dogs, but the Department of Agriculture won't allow her to adopt the dogs out because, you know, she's got lumber floors 
and stuff like that. So we're getting like Trex decking and synthetic floors so that we can bring everything up to code so it meets Department of Agriculture standards, then she can turn it into an adoption center. And she's a, a single woman. And those are the floors that I'm talking about. You know, the dogs, yeah. there's hay and stuff out there, but if the dogs urinate on those, it's just not sanitary. So we're going to cover all that with Trex decking. And I've got an awesome friend that lives in Traverse City. He's thrown $5,000 towards it. I've raised about $4,500 through the, the sale of the, the Fight Me Mike Vick shirts in the movie. So we've got about 10000 towards it right now, but we're going to cover those ceiling rafters. We've got to cover all the exposed wood. We're putting running water out there so the dogs will have fresh water in their dishes. And um, so it's Tina's Bed and Biscuits on Facebook, and we've got a GoFundMe page there, and I'll throw it up on my Facebook page so you can get a direct link to it. But uh, we were originally doing it the weekend of May 10th, but obviously the COVID thing uh, shut us down. Um, so it's kind of postponed until we can find out. It's hard to ask people for donations right now. Everybody's in tough times and then getting volunteers to donate their time at the moment is going to be a little bit tough. So um, towards the fall, uh, probably within the next month or so, I'll post another uh, date that we'll be doing that build. And, and they've got great hotels and campgrounds up there and, and all the campgrounds have donated uh, spaces if you want to come up at camp. And we'll do We'll start on Friday and we'll finish our build on Sunday afternoon and do a big reveal party. And like Tito's Vodka is called the Dog's Vodka because they always throw a few thousand dollars in for donations. And we'll have a big uh, party at the end of it, a nice luncheon for all the volunteers and show off our work and hopefully make a better life for the dogs. So, you know, I'm going to continue doing stuff like that. Um, I get instant messages constantly. I just got a call from somebody last night. Their dog bit somebody, so they need help resheltering it. People will call me to connect them with, um, you know, trainers. I created a myself and Stephen Baldwin created a, a continuing education program program for the police departments um, to stop them from using lethal force on dogs. And uh, you know, a family pet is killed every 45 minutes in the United States by a police officer and it, you know, going into high risk situation like I do, a dog runs at you, your automatic reaction, if it looks like a vicious pit bull, is to put it down so you can focus on the drug dealers that you're going in after. And, you know, sometimes that's just an officer walking by a backyard and the dog's barking and looking aggressive and they might put the dog down. So we're trying to train them in a two hour course to use different actions, look at the body language of the dog and, uh, you know, not 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 kill a family pet because you know that the, the little girl might be sitting on the front porch and he, she watches her Labrador retriever get shot because it's barking too much and you know uh, again I'm all for law enforcement but there's you know there's points where um, people just go beyond the law and 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 they become judge and jury and that's that's not fair to humans or dogs you know so uh, I'm trying to. I'm trying to bring awareness to all of it. I get lumped in with the dog fighting thing, which it's fine. It's been a great cause for me because I am the fighter and, uh, you know, the dog's fighter. And people would always ask me, how can you how can you try to stop dog fighting when you do what you do? Isn't that just human fighting? And, and no, it's 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 
there's referees, there's doctors cage side. If I get scared, if I tap out, then somebody stops it, make sure I'm all right. They're checking my heart rate. Those dogs don't get to tap out. And a lot of times they fight to the death and, and there's certain, you know, instances now that the, the fighters don't want to take the risk and use a property. So they do what's called trunking and they throw two dogs in the trunk of a big old Cadillac and, uh, turn the radio up real loud, which agitates the dogs and drive around for an hour, pop the trunk and whichever dog survives is the winner. And they bet like that. So, you know, it's, it's ongoing. And sadly, because it's profitable, it'll continue to grow unless we bring awareness to it. So that's, you know, that's my cause is to keep on bringing awareness. I don't have to. And I, I say in a little thing at the end of the movie, you don't have to climb into a cage and fight for the dogs you know, a simple donation, go and volunteer at a shelter, um, spread the cause, spread the awareness, uh, help end the cruelty and end the dog fighting, you know, watch the movie and get educated. If you want the movie, send me a private message. I'll send you a copy for free. I still pay the studio, but it's worth it for me for the royalty that I paid to the studio to get that message out there. And Darren, I'll send you a screener's copy because nobody owns DVDs anymore. So you can watch it streaming. Um, but I'd love for you to see it and spread the message amongst your group too, because I know you have a, a pretty good audience and a good reach. No, and and that's definitely what it's about. And I think right there is everybody asks me what grind time with Darren McCarty is about, and it, I usually give them the answer. It's whatever I want because it's got my name on it. But it's exactly what it's about right here: being able to talk to guys like you, Gordon, uh, being able to reach out to different passions, and you know what. It, it, it's, uh, I believe that right now it's the biggest time for everybody to listen, but it's also to stand up and to do what's right. I commend you for, you know, not only what you've been through, but, you know, staying true to yourself. You know, that's one of the things that I always preach is that self-awareness. And for anybody out there, it's to get involved. So, so the best place, um, Tina's uh, Bed and Biscuits, on Facebook yep. to find out about uh, getting involved, uh, when the date will be, when you guys finalize to everything that's going on up up in uh, Buford. Eula. 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 <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I'm old girlfriend. Right. And so the one thing is, too, also, is, uh, you know, once uh, now you're, you're – you're a member and a family member of the Grind Time family. So anytime we can help facilitate any knowledge, uh, I know gshell661 on Instagram, gordonshell.com for the, uh, come on, Michael Vick fight. We, hey, we'll get that going up again because like you said, it's, uh, you know, the reality is that this is what goes on. And I think that you hit it on the head is, you know, I, I don't want anybody, you know, taking, taking my dog, um, no matter what, and I know what I do to protect that thing. So I don't want any little girl that can't protect her own dog, not to have to do it. But that's why you, sir, are the dog's fighter. So thank you, uh, thank you very much, Gordon, for joining me. I'm sure we'll still continue to be in touch. Um, there's the music. You betcha. There's the music. So I'm going to say goodbye. Thanks to everybody out there, David, Angel, everybody, uh, Jess, Mike, everybody back at NRM. Oh, next week, I think, be back in studio. Don't hold me on that, but that's what we're thinking. 
All right, till Thursday, Jared Miller with Golf Club logos and the great stuff. We'll see you Thursday. Thank you, Gordon. Be back. I'm out. Thank you, sir. Love you.